Welcome to Tell Me Your Truest Story. I'm Karen Miriam Goldberg. This monthly podcast focuses on exploring, unearthing, and at times revising the stories we tell ourselves and are told to find greater freedom, justice, wisdom, and homecoming. Explore with us ways to better align our narratives with our callings and the callings of our time and the living earth. Our summer episode focuses on what courage and daring we need to tell, even if just to ourselves, our truest stories and stories about who we are and how we need to live. I recorded most of these interviews at Brave Voice, the writing and singing retreat I lead with Kelly Hunt, which we founded on the premise that opening your voice one way cannot help but open it other ways. We sing, we write, and we come to hear ourselves more clearly. This is what we talked about in mid-May 2022 at White Memorial Camp near Council Grove, Kansas. Our first interview is with a bevy of brilliant and visionary women Nancy Hubble, outsider artist and writer, Julianne Patrick, singer, writer, and grandmother extraordinaire, Laurel Lewis, writer and retired educator, Jane Vogel, emerging musician and songwriter and businesswoman, and Catherine Lorenzen, career coach and my partner in crime for the Your Right Livelihood classes and retreats. We recorded these in this interview on the porch of the lodge at the camp near Council Grove. And we're at Brave Voice, and we're here to talk about brave voices. And I have here Julianne Patrick, Catherine Lorenzen, Laurel Lewis, Nancy Hubble, and Jane Vogel. And we're just going to dive in and see what the heck happens because, hey, it's brave voice and brave voices so what does the term brave voice say to you or how does that land in you permission to speak freely sir yes (laughs) (laughs) ma'am whatever whatever. i think that's what it means to me permission to speak freely yes which is so seldom granted and uh so seldom asked for actually so it's, it's uh, a great place to speak your mind, your words, your voice, and uh, not feel challenged, but encouraged to do so. That's, what, that's the magic out here. The first time I came 17 years ago, and it's hard to believe that it's been that many years, I felt like such an imposter showing up. I showed up because I'm a Kelly Hunt fan big time and man I can go hang out with her and sing with her okay I'm in and then I met this creature who uh you know immediately well so I felt like an imposter because I'm a wannabe musician and I'm a wannabe writer and I'm like what am I doing hanging out with with the big 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 fish and uh you guys just immediately made me feel so at ease and not just you but well also the environment you set it's just been an amazing experience. To me, a brave voice is the voice that you have when you're not thinking about the expectations of others. Yes. And it's the true voice 
that okay. is is waiting to come out for that expresses what is what is the most true for you just like you say tell tell me your truest story that's the brave voice is the true story that that wants to come out and its point of view but its experience expresses in whatever way it wants brave voice is being vulnerable mm -hmm. um, and opening yourself to being vulnerable to and showing your flaws and not being afraid of reaction, you know, you know what people are going to say because nobody cares. I mean, they they're here to support you in whatever way. And great voice is not about the work you do; it's about the community that you do it within. Great voice to me is I was too afraid to speak in that voice because it wasn't an acceptable voice. Um, being told not to say things, insulted for saying things. Braveness came from saying the things I actually felt inside. In, an atmosphere where there was the promise of no judgment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I had to be brave enough to believe that promise. And it was not easy at the beginning. And the promises were kept. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk some about the picture behind the picture here, or the story behind the pit story, which is um, the promises were not kept, the promises that maybe we feel like we're our birthright to be able to speak our truth and be ourselves. What dampens down our brave voices in this life? How's that for a big general question? <laughs> Why to judgment? Yeah. Yeah. Much, much therapy is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a child of the fifties uh, and sixties. I often tell others who don't understand why I'm so self-deprecating that um, I was I was brought up on a lot of blame and shame. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if people are any longer because I'm a grandmother now, but um, two of my father's favorite expressions were um, don't rock the boat. Mm -hmm. And then the other one was an implied one that he echoed Mr. Darling from Peter Pan, a little less noise there. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, so I'm resonating with Nancy talking about not wanting to you know, rock the boat, wanting to fit in, wanting to be meek present but witless you know whatever yeah. and the other cool thing about brave voice is beneath the fact that you're accepted for me anyway i could accept myself yes. i'm my harshest critic i'm my wickedest uh <laughs> reviewer i i think there must be something wrong with me because <laughs> i feel yeah. that there's something wrong going on but everybody else in this boat seems to be thinking it's just fine, fine. 
there was sharks circling it, and the fact there's a hole in the boat, but we pretend there's none. Yeah. And everybody's having a good time anyway. Well, they're drinking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I cocktails. Um, well, that's not it's true quite, here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, no, not here. But it's quite. It was quite you know, get shocking out. to come up in that. And then feel that in order to keep the peace and being a young woman of the day, I had to uh, intuit what was needed and pre provide it. And um, so it made for a real heady mix of wild horse and trained dog. No. Well, maybe we should have bumper stickers that say, always a bitch. You <laughs> <laughs> just didn't know it. But, so it's, it's been a real education for me to come here and find I have a voice that it's okay to have it it's okay to use it and mm -hmm. um, so I, it's been a great gift for me and I keep trying to remember it when I'm back home <laughs> on the other side of that it's it's looking at people who you think are have it all together and then finding out that they have their own insecurities and um you, you think maybe I'm not so different after all yeah. and you grew up in iowa in the 50s yes. late 50s and 60s, 60s. and yeah i'm not that old <laughs> yeah, you're, you're like late i wasn't born till the till 61 so oh well <laughs> okay. just projecting Sorry, out I might look old. okay in the like 60s yeah. and 70s well, and, and the setting in northwest iowa where i grew up was back to the 50s you know it's very conservative and very, you know, toe the line and um, you don't um, take a step out of turn and you don't share your true feelings because we have a saying, you know, Dutch fronts that, you know, the buildings of Dutch often, you know, decorated the front of the building and not around it. And, and you know, we put on our Dutch fronts, that, mm. you know, have to uh, just show what the world wants to see, but you know, don't let them see who you really are. So, what does it mean for you to live your brave voice? Uh, it's it's to um, not worry about other what other people think or feel, and to um, you know just step out and be who I am and. That only works when you found a group of people who can support you and 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 let you know that it's safe to do that. And after you found that, then then it's easier to go out, you know, back to back home and still be my true self. It's being a smart woman, partly. If you're a smart woman and you have a smart mouth. <laughs> my god you're in trouble and uh, a difficulty of saying what you think or what you know or what you might believe is not acceptable especially to some of the men just had an experience with my doctor and I was telling him about paying attention to something. And he said, and I said the word hypervigilant. And he said, hypervigilant or hypochondriac? 
Oh. oh. And I thought, well, I need to change doctors. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's that moment at which you you know you are supposed to shut up. Yeah. And so right. having a brave voice means saying what you think. I want to give a shout out to all the men who might be listening to this. <laughs> we love you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're married so to you, a lot of us. Yes. <laughs> And we've loved you with all our hearts. And I find that the men who come here seem so relaxed in themselves that they can be tender, they can be creative, they can show us their kind sides or their hurt sides. And we just love each other. And there's an equality here yeah. for yeah. men that they may not find among their peers. For the women, I'd say generally, and let's generalize because life's so much simpler and it saves so much time. Women tend to keep it tamped down and they don't want to be too much. And men have to be. They have to man up. Hey, hey, how about the bears? You know, they have to, they can't show. You know, I nearly wept today because I saw the most beautiful sunset. Most guys would move away from them on the golf course. Um, you know, because they, that part of them is often strangulated or strangled. So I, mm. I think I find the men that I've met here to be very manly in every way, but they are full. Yes. Full person. Yes. They're not, yes. they don't have to be ashamed, but they want to sing the theme song from Brother, Son, Sister, Moon. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it touches them. Yeah. And if it touches them and we can see it, it touches us. So it's a really amazing community. Yeah, and I want to throw a little bit in here since we have had some people at Brave Voice who identify as non-binary or trans and talk about a brave voice. Yeah. Um, it occurs to me how many forms I fill out where you only have two choices for gender. And what is it like to continually be facing um, a world where there's no, there's no slot to check for how you identify for who you are, let alone um, all the discrimination and hatred and violence. So, so I want to just turn this toward what was a moment in your life where you found your brave voice and it made all the difference? Or how are you seeking your brave voice right now? Probably for me coming from a bad marriage and, um, you know, finding the strength to stand up for myself and to um, move on with my life and uh, in ways that was, you know, being my true self instead of what, you know, society wanted me to be. It, in some ways, it seemed like a no-brainer um, to, you know, it, it required um, courage to leave, but um, the result of it was such an opening of my world. And, and so, I, you know, reaching for my brave voice um, mm -hmm. changed my world. 
changed mine too. Mm -hmm. um, I was so blessed by women in Brave Voice stepping up, offering to help me publish a book. Mm -hmm. uh, make a CD. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was such an affirmation as I have never received before were my life, my words, and uh, made a huge difference in the way I saw the world. I think um, for me, a, a brave voice period of time for me really was when I shifted as a musician from performing other people's songs to performing my own. And even though um, I was continuing to play in places where people expected to hear cover songs, um, I began to play my own. And that was, that was a big vulnerable stepping into the arena, if you will. Um, because in, in a lot of cases, it was not necessarily received with open arms. Um, but, but I just kept going. And I'm, I'm really glad that I did. Because now it, it, it feels like it's my whole identity. Now my main, uh, my main thrust is to perform my own songs and songs that I've written with other people and the occasional cover song. Mm -hmm. So it's become kind of a way of life creatively, but it, it, takes, it takes both a period of time and a moment to step into it. Well, Brave Voice for me, I just realized it's sitting here. This isn't, this isn't a long, well thought out idea. <laughs> That's why I realized it's, 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 helped me return to the person I was when I was a kid because because oh, I, I grew up in the nature and I loved people I loved everybody and you know then life has its way of uh you know tamping you down a little bit and telling you you're too much for sure and uh I just am feeling also at my age where I don't have to do anything for a job. I felt very blessed by that. And it's a time that I, I can, can let my uh, flag shine again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm here um, um, because my husband bought me a, I guess, a scholarship to Brave <laughs> Voice about five or six years ago. I'd heard of it. I, I felt like I would love to go to such a thing, but I was in no way worthy in any way right. to go to anything like that or to do anything like that. So he, I guess he did an end zone play on me and connected with Karen and, uh, you know, bought me a gift certificate and put it in my little Christmas stocking and I wept and I wept and I wept. Um, and he's always been a big fan of mine and he's always told me I was a good writer and uh, I liked him, but didn't really. But it was that little push off the diet 
that got me to realize that maybe I did have a voice that someone would listen to. And um, this is my fourth time here. And he's still encouraging me, uh, though he's not with me any longer. And um, it's been a remarkable journey. And um, I'm, I'm very blessed by it. And I would recommend it to anyone. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Well, you know, Laurel, I can't help thinking that maybe your husband was drawn to do this without knowing completely why, because it also provides you with community and a place to grieve and yeah. deal with life since his death. Yes, well, he was always, uh, um, he always wanted me to have situational awareness. <laughs> and I was, I was once, more than once told that I would never make detective. <laughs> but I, I obviously had other uses, which he saw, and he was able to appreciate. So uh, he's, he's the reason I'm here, but um, well, thank you, Steve. And yes, thank you, I wanted Steve. to ask you all another question, which is sideways related to this. Um, there's a wonderful essay by Adrian Rich, a feminist poet and writer. It's about Emily Dickinson, and it's called Vesuvius at Home. And it's about in women's lives, particularly, especially in the 50s and 60s and so on, what is not expressed, what is tamped down when it finally comes out is like a volcano. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I bring that up because I kind of wonder what's the price for men, for women, for non-binary people, however we identify, whoever we are, of not being able to express our brave voice. Relating to this, I guess, I didn't feel like I belonged here at all. I still struggle sometimes because I was never a writer. I was never a singer. I, I mean, well, I mean, in a choir or something, but um, I was encouraged to come just, you know, my partner had passed away and just to be around some good women, good people. And, um, and what I'm feeling when I come here and, and the importance of having my brave voice is this has given me the opportunity to test myself and, and what maybe I can do, what I can say, what I can, um, you know, feeling like I'm unworthy to be here at times, but then, you know, sharing something that I wrote and hearing from people, wow, you know, oh, that's great. I like this about that. So, um, it, it just makes, you know, even though I'm never gonna be a writer and publish anything, that's not my dream or anything, but, but still being able to, you know, put down on paper something that means something to me and maybe means something to someone else. Um, it's just very empowering. I think the price to women and men who maybe can't be themselves, well, obviously, uh, you know, it's like the, the famous uh, a race. Mm -hmm. Personhood deferred is unpleasant 
stale, stiff, cracked, broken, maybe self-medicated one way or another. And uh, earlier today, we were talking about the difference between wanting to be the best at something, yet be in the, in the, in the lake, not, <laughs> not be the biggest frog, but just be part of things. And I, I was told too, when I was growing up, or got the feeling that I was too much, a little less of you there. Um, but it's taken some strength to get excited when I think it's my job to be much, muchier. <laughs> and I, every once in a while, I hear Johnny Depp as the Mad Hatter saying that to Alice, well, you used to be much, muchier. <laughs> I, I think it's my job to be much, muchier. It's why I'm here. Uh, it's the way God made me, and she's good at things. Yes. <laughs> and, and he, it, I think God is a verb, they, but we won't get into yeah, that right yeah. now. <laughs> and I like that thing. I nearly said it today. You know, I'm not a drop in the ocean. I'm the whole ocean in a drop. Rumi. Uh, Rumi. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we are. And here we can all just mingle and get wet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So one more question. Um, there's a great Maya Angelou quote that Brene Brown uses in one of her books, Daring Greatly, about how um, the price of belonging to yourself is, is very high. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you lose people, situations, life stories about what you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to live. And sometimes it can be very lonely and here, and there are other places in our lives too, we can belong to ourselves and we can be with others also. So I wonder if any of you have anything to share about the power of being well-witnessed, well-listened to. Oh man, this is an oasis. <laughs> this is, you know, when I finally found myself speaking out in the way I wanted to, of course, people don't like to hear everything. Um, and I find it difficult to be um, finding friends. Uh, and if I get to come here once a year, then I drink from the well of your kindness <laughs> and reflect on that all year long mm. and it carries me through it does it carries me through i love this concept of of witness and, and being witnessed and and that is very powerful and it's affirming i think for everyone who comes to this brave voice experience and one of the other things that um the, the flip side is is has been really important for me too. It has improved my listening skills uh, oh. to have my, you know, a a, a a container, if you will, for finding my own brave voice and having it being witnessed to participate in witnessing others and really deep learning how to do deep listening is very powerful and has been a really important life skill to have. Listening is every bit as important as expressing.
as we say that we're listening to uh <laughs> listening to the tractor tractor yeah. going by well, that there's power washer <laughs> okay we're bearing witness we're bearing witness but i think when we are well listened to we learn to listen to ourselves and you know i know as we get older just listening to your body and making decisions which is with as much informed consent as possible. It's a hard thing to do. No one's listening right. to yourself. Yeah. Experiencing being encouraged for your bravery, if not for your skill or, you know, speaking of, you know, really changed me last year when I shared a song that I couldn't get out my my voice wouldn't come. I, I I struggled through it, and I was determined and made it through the song. And the encouragement I got from everyone was just they, they were so proud of me for following through for you know doing it and things like that. They're not just cheering. Oh, you know, good for you, whatever. It but it's from a place where they care and they, you know, we all care about each other. And also it was good. So when we use our brave voice, it is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It can be good. You've got to take yourself home to the sound of your own heartbeat. George Thompson, a writer as well as a psychiatrist, is a Brave Voice regular. We met up shortly after Brave Voice, which he had to miss because he was immersed in planning and launching a new drop-in mental health center for Douglas County, Kansas. Here is what he has to say about finding and refinding your voice, even in very difficult times. So George, so good to be with you today. Very nice to be with you, Karen. Yeah, and we were talking earlier about what enables a person to find their brave voice? You know, how did you find yours? Well, you know, I think it's been a, a lifelong process, but from the brave voice workshops, I would say that um, there's both been a time and space to slow down enough to really connect with what I'm thinking and feeling, mm -hmm. as well as um, instructions in particular ways of looking or particular ways of connecting with oneself to find um, my deepest truths, my most clear perspectives, um, what the things are that I value the most. And so it's been a, a very nurturing process of that self-connection and then um, different ways of bringing that voice into the world through writing um, poetry or narrative or stream of consciousness things, and even writing a song. Uh, yes. It was kind of surprising to me because I don't think of myself as a, as a songwriter. Well, I guess when we find that brave voice, all kinds of things can happen that we don't always expect. And um, 
Yeah, I know that you have spent a lifetime helping people with particularly mental health as a psychiatrist, as somebody who's worked a lot with children. How do you, how have you seen or what patterns have you seen that cause people to lose or get disconnected from their voices? Well, I think it's natural that kids want to please their parents. They love their parents. Oftentimes, you know, when things are going well, that's the case. And so um, parents want their kids to find their voices, but kids often are kind of torn between, should I be myself or should I do what my parents want? And it doesn't have to even be something that's pathological or a problem. I think it's just a natural tendency, a natural tension between when a person is, you know, talking about themselves to another person. Um, how much do I want to say that it, that comes from myself, and how much do I want to listen or align or be a part of the the group that I'm in, um, and to sort of put myself on hold a little bit so that I'm hearing other people's perspectives. So that's one of the, the kind of tensions that I've seen um, in the work that I do um, as well. Yeah, so that, that urge or need to belong sometimes pulls us from our voice. And that's something some of the other people that I spoke to pointed to, uh, that whole difference between fitting in, belonging, and what does it mean to belong to yourself? That's a, that's a really good question, you know, that um, what is your obligation to yourself, right? Um, mm -hmm. Am I obligated to bring forth into the world the things that are in my heart to create? Um, it's not a perspective that we frequently get taught or um, mm -hmm. always see modeled, but um, it's one of the things that I've come to recognize over the years is that I, there are certain things that are in my heart or certain things that I've had in my mind to do and that nobody else does. It's sort of my uniqueness and could be my unique contribution to the world. Um, but uh, we're not always taught, hey, look for what is unique about you, what's in your heart. And you have some duty or obligation to bring that forth. Exactly. And I love the way that you put that because it really has to do with you know, what we feel called to do, what our gifts are, how we mesh with this world. Um, what have you found in your own life or in lives that you witness just help us to keep returning to our voice? I mean, beyond our, our wonderful Brave Voice event, how do you stay in touch with your own voice? Well, I think um, a phrase that I'll use and it's something that um, you will say in different ways but one of the things I'm looking for is what wants to be born you know <clears throat> what wants to be born right now and what's coming through me that I may not even be aware of and so it's actually been helpful to think I might not know everything about myself which is kind of a weird thing to say because you know you would think you would know your own self but if we're growing and changing um, moment to moment or week by week, year by year, then there will be new things inside of ourselves. So just being aware that something new could be happening at any point in myself or in somebody else 
helps them to connect with um, a new voice that's a new brave voice and um, that my what I thought last year may not be true for me so much anymore. I think that's a really wonderful way to put it that we continually evolve. So part of it is how is our truth evolving? How does that change over time? Exactly. Um, I was thinking recently, you know, there's these three questions in spirituality or philosophy. Who am I? Uh, why am I here? What's happening? And I realized if I added the word now to each of those phrases, it really kind of heightened my awareness and really focused me. You know, who am I now? Uh, what's happening now? Why am I here now? Um, really helped to focus on what's the new thing coming through in this particular moment in time? You know, why am I here now with you in this particular moment? What, what might be born as a result of our conversation? Oh, I love that because it's, it really wakes us up to how do we be in the present with what wants to be born, what the calling is. It sounds like you're also pointing to how finding and keeping our voices brave means arriving at where we really are right moment by moment um <laughs> you know yeah. uh that that's really true and and i like the way that you said that really wakes you up you have to pay attention to what might be your thought or your feeling or your reaction to a particular situation right here now because it may be something that like one of the things i've realized is i i may not be comfortable with what my new, next new truth is um, so much mm -hmm. um, because it's a new thing for me. I don't know how people respond. I don't know, you know what the implications of having this particular idea are. Well, I have to ask you one more question. You just gave me a tour of the amazing facility that you are the, is it executive medical director of, what's your title? <laughs> executive director and medical director, right. Okay, I kind of merged them. <laughs> Um, a mental health crisis center in, um, in our county and in Lawrence, Kansas. How do you see voice and finding courage or bravery as relating to the work that you're involved in right now and that the center might do? Well, um, there are times that all of us are, that we all feel overwhelmed, um, that life has gotten too big for us for the moment. And so I think we all have moments of crisis, uh, but it's also a time where I think new things may be emerging and we don't exactly know what to do with those things. And so um, that's one of the things I look for in helping somebody through a crisis is what new strength or creativity may be emerging. You know, sometimes it's awful things have happened to a person and that's what puts them into a crisis. Um, but it's also in those times that people find out that they're stronger than they thought they were. Um, uh, many years ago, I heard Tommy Toon, who was uh, you know, on Broadway, he was talking about the HIV AIDS crisis. And he says, there's nothing good about this crisis, but there's a lot of good in the way that people have responded to it. And so, I think I probably have more attention on how people are responding to the crisis than on what has put them into the crisis. It's not that those things aren't important, but um, 
to be to make it through a crisis, you somehow have to discover that you're bigger than that crisis. And that's such a valuable and transformative process. Um, and I think that that helps a person through to see, my gosh, turns out if I made it through this crisis, it means that I am I'm bigger and stronger than whatever has happened to me. And that is an amazing thing to discover. Yeah, and I think that's amazing how you how you piece that together because so often crisis is is so big and overwhelming, just like any very, very big emotion. It's hard to believe that we're more than that. You know, like I think about using the, the phrase um, what wants to be born. And if you think about childbirth, mm -hmm. from, a, from a certain perspective, you could see childbirth as a crisis. You know, how's that baby gonna get out? <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. yeah. Huge changes have to happen for this to, for this to occur. Um, but there's also this miracle of birth that's happening, which I think is what people are, you know, remember the most of, of childbirth. Yeah, I think, yeah, having been there in childbirth and just taking a walk today with somebody who's pregnant and talking about all of that, that's one of those crisis moment situations where, wow, you know, there is... Um, it takes over everything. It's hard to believe there's more than that when you're in it. Exactly. And, I, and, and yet um, that's how women's bodies are designed is to make it through that. And, um, and I think in some ways we're designed to make it through whatever crisis is happening. It's again, not something that you probably get taught. You know, I never had a class in school growing up saying, you know, we're designed to handle big things. Um, and here's some things to look for. You know, there's no Lamaze class for that. Uh, but, um, but nevertheless, that's a real process too. Absolutely. And when it comes to mental health crises, people can feel so alone and so cut off from their own voices. Well, they can feel like what's happening to them is shameful. And um, that then when people feel shame, they don't want to, um, they want to hide, they don't want to express what's happening, they don't want to be seen in that. Um, and I think that they miss out on um, how heroic they have to be in order to manage whatever, you know, crisis that they're in, whether that's depression, and they're feeling down, unable to get out of bed, or even like they would be better off dead, or if they have schizophrenia, and they're hearing voices, but how heroic a person has to be to make it through those kinds of experiences. Yes, and how heroic sometimes the people have to be who work with them to really listen to them and witness as much of them as they can, even what they're not completely presenting of who they are. Right, I think our biology says um, those situations are dangerous and it can put us into a little bit of fight or flight or even a little bit of shutdown. Uh, because it's, it can be frightening. Um, and so it does take sometimes conscious effort to be able to see the person who exists from within this crisis, you know, to see who's really there, who is this person experiencing this crisis. And I would say, I would add to that families too really have to, you know, they, they have to be heroic in that kind of way as well. Well, I said I had a last question, but I seem to have lied. <laughs> because I know we worked on a book together that you wrote 
that you need to tell us the title of and what it's about, and also how this speaks to alternatives we have to being brought down by fight and flight, flight, fight, flight, or freeze, right? Right. Yeah, the book is about fight, flight, and freeze, and there's a theory of the autonomic or automatic nervous system called the polyvagal theory, and polyvagal means that the vagus nerve has more than one branch to it and more than one function, and um, so the book is called The Polyvagal Theory in the Developing Child, and um, just knowing that we can be in those states, a fight or flight state, which is where your adrenaline is going and your heart is racing a little bit and you feel like you have a lot more energy than usual um, or a freeze shutdown state where um, that happens when we're feeling like the stress that we're experiencing is inescapable or even life-threatening. Um, and, uh, and, and what's the state when we're not in those two states? It's a, a state that allows us to be curious and connected and engaged and to collaborate and, and create together. Um, and so if we know there's these three states, one of the things that we can do is ask ourselves, how's my nervous system doing today? You know, it's a little separate from us. Um, in a way, we might think that the brain has a mind of its own and um, it's just doing that. None of us say, say to ourselves, I think I'll go into fight or flight right now. It just happens automatically. Um, and so if we ask ourselves, what's, what's my nervous system experiencing right now? And what does it need right now? Um, most of the time, we're able to answer with a wisdom about ourselves that can be surprising because nobody's taught us how to, how to answer those questions. But if we just think that, what, what does my nervous system need right now to, so that I can get back to that engaged and connected and creative and curious state, a lot of times we'll have some answer for ourselves for what to do. And it also sounds like what you're pointing toward is that we can't connect with our inherent courage, our inherent voice when we're in fight, flight, or freeze. But we can at least be aware of where we're at and where the, what other options we may have over time, right? Especially if we don't know we're in fight or flight or we're not thinking that we have any choices there. But when we start to ask that question, what does my nervous system need now that we're in fight or flight? Um, it may be that we need to take some action to defend some, something that is important or valuable or, or a life. And um, that's what our brave voices in that moment is. I need to stop this thing that's happening that's not right, you know? And that's where we can then start to find the courage to speak up about injustice or, or inequity or um, harm that's coming to people. I love how you link the kind of personal chemistry biology of our bodies to our inherent brave voice to the social body. Right, because our, those things that I'm talking about, like fight or flight, one of the ways that we, that our nervous systems know that we're safe is by looking around at the facial expressions of the people around us. It's sort of like, this is, if everybody around us is in a, in a fairly calm state, then we know that things around us are, are safe. Um, mm -hmm. If people 
their facial expressions around us are um, worried, then we start to wonder what's the danger here. Um, if you ever drive by a, a like a car that stopped on the side of the road, you can read the people's body language, or even if you're going slowly enough, see their facial expressions. And you'll know, hey, everything's all right there because they're kind of laughing or smiling and connected with each other. But if they're looking down or looking kind of worried, then you know, hey, this is a crisis that's going on. Maybe these people need some help. And we're always um, keying off of each other to see um, what's, what's happening in our environment. Because that's, that's the way humans are designed is to to be each other's best friends in those kinds of ways. Well, I keep saying I have one more last question for you, and then I keep asking yet another. Maybe this will be the last one. So right now we have just had a horrendous school shooting. There is a terrifying and traumatic war going on in Ukraine. The pandemic is definitely not over. And there's so much fatigue, exhaustion, terror. Um, and yet we are programmed, you know, biologically bent to react to the pain in the world, to feel some of it. Um, what advice do you have for people for staying connected, for staying aware, for staying in tune with their own brave voice without having, well, I don't know how to say this correctly, but without um, being so completely um, blasted and wiped out and numbed and whatever else from this pain around us in this world locally and globally? No, it's, a, it's a great question. And, and what I would say is this, that um, if we're feeling blasted and numbed out, we're probably in that freeze shutdown state. Um, that's what that state feels like. And if we're going to get back to the um, engaged and connected state, a lot of times we need to pass through fight or flight on the way to get there. Because as the numbness starts to thaw, then we may feel angry and we may feel like fighting. Um, and um, so one thing to know is that's not a problem. It's a sign we're on the right track. And at that point, we can ask ourselves, what is something that I can do that'll make a difference you know, with this situation? Maybe not directly. You know, I mean, there's nothing to be done about that school shooting to bring any of those children or teachers back. But is there something I can do in the world that would um, start to address the roots of those issues or the roots of war? And it may be as simple as I'm going to smile at people. But if we do that as an act of, um, you could even think of it as an act of defiance or rebellion, that this is not the world that I want to live in. I want to live in a world where people are kind to each other, where people care about each other. And I'm going to smile at everybody I see today as an act of defiance. You've got to take yourself home. To the sound of your own heartbeat Singing Hey Singing Hey 
Back at the Brave Voice Retreat, our 17th annual, with the wind and birds accenting our conversation, I met with Kitra Cooper, writer and retired outreach and public relations director for the US Department of Agriculture, Susan Hancock, jazz singer by night, state administrator and leader by day, Elaine McMillan, singer, songwriter and community uplifter, and Robin Reed, musician, writer, and retired physician, to talk about what holding, even against great odds at times, your brave voice means. Altogether, these women show us what it is to be a seeker and to not give up until you find your way home to your soul. Okay, so here we are. We're sitting outside. It's May 17th. There's bird song and wind, maybe a storm coming. And I'm here with Robin Reed, Kitra Cooper, Susan Hancock, and Elaine McMillan to talk about brave voice. So what does the term brave voice say to you? This is the part where you talk. <laughs> to, to not hide your light. Strength to be strong and speak your truth. Exactly, Elaine. Speak, speak my truth, no matter, no matter what it might do. And I think it means being vulnerable. So many of us have experienced things in life that squash or dampen down our brave voice. How do we find our way out? You know, I've been thinking about this a lot um, in my life. I've had a lot of loss. I also have a brother in prison and there's things that, have, that I've dealt with with my family, which we all have family things. And I've had people come to me and actually say, how do you go on? Like they see me being positive and they see me living my life. And they're curious about, you know, and I, I don't know what to say other than it's a choice that I make. You have two choices to not go on and to go on. And so I choose almost as an honor to my loved ones or the things I've lost or whatever. I almost feel like that's a charge to me to go on. I don't know for certain how that applies to brave voice other than I see brave voice as a just a determination maybe or a um, way of living that is building on your life experiences and learning from them and using them as you go to you know continue your journey some people could translate all of that into courage. Mm -hmm. That's what courage is. <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah. best way to say right. it. <laughs> yeah. This is my fourth brave voice. I grew up, I think, very sensitive and very dramatic into an environment that, that was embarrassing. <laughs> you know, oh my God, why are you so over the top? And so you learn to pull in your energy all the time. So I learned to be very Western, very stiff upper lip, very assertive, very strong. And um, it was just stunning to me to come to Brave Voice 
and be me and be normal. <laughs> no filter. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh, these are my people. Yeah. And I'd yeah. never found that before. I think we've probably all been told you are too much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I just had this conversation with Kat in that I, the minute I walked in Sunday, there was no, I didn't have to pretend. I didn't, I didn't feel like I had to not be me because we're so welcoming. Or um, be a certain way at all. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe that's part of brave voice you don't have to use your voice in a certain way which is such a relief because it's unbelievably exhausting to oh. use your voice to yeah. do what you're supposed to do yeah. just I think even finding what are your personal goals and underneath the goals we talk yeah. a lot about callings mm -hmm. what are you called to do mm -hmm. Kelly and I were just talking about brave listening mm -hmm. and of course this morning we did some deep listening, like to really listen without agenda seems to be the other side of the brave voice. And I talk a lot in the workshops. I, I facilitate about witnessing and good witnessing, but that's also the other side of brave voice. How do you just listen? Interesting. I've been in business all my life and now I'm a singer musician and I find that, um, the thing that people value about me in business and in music is that I emote. I put it out there. I say the embarrassing thing. Mm -hmm. And it, it takes, I mean, it's horrifyingly hard. But I learned early on that you just got to do it. Mm -hmm. And then if you do it, if you're the one who will say the awkward thing and everyone else may be silent afterwards, all these people come up to me and say, oh, so glad you did So that's part of it is just being the one to say the stupid thing <laughs> or to say the hard or thing. The obvious thing that yeah. everyone wants to say. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I've often been on the other side where I could not say it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, I'm just like, I cannot sit on my hands any longer. And yeah. So, what's the price we pay sometimes? There's risk. Mm -hmm. Always risk to being brave. Labels. So, sometimes having a brave voice does cost us relationships, yeah. it but can I, cost us jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, yes. But I think that's good. Because then yeah. you know where you stand and you know who the people are that you really want to be with. And so I think there's something about being the person who says the real thing and speaking your truth and all of that. And if some people can't take that, then they're on their own life journey mm -hmm. and that's up to them. So I think, I don't know, maybe it's a being women and how we're raised to help everyone get along and our role in our family whatever that might be and, and in business where you know, i think that that now we're in a position where we are saying what we really think and what we believe and we're strong about it and so i think that's part of the learning and the growing mm -hmm. and if there are some relationships that don't withstand that then they, they've reached their end maybe or whatever yeah. and kind of like the, the husks fall away right and you the continue on your away. drug journey and then that they're left with whatever life lesson they're 
there's um, a quote from Maya Angelou that was Renee Brown wrote about that I used with the other group I interviewed about how belonging to yourself is kind of the greatest belonging at all, but the price is very high. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. And I, I think the reason we suppress our brave voices is because most of us are born into environments that don't automatically accept them. Encourage I mean, some, some of us are fortunate it. enough to be born into a very nurturing environment, but most of us aren't, and most society isn't. And so you, you want to belong. I mean, even when you're really, really strong and really smart or really talented or whatever, if I meet someone that I have strong, you know, that validates me, it's so good. And so I think we seek validation. And so you put up with whatever you've had in your life because you've never had better. And, and so you start to self-accept, you start to meet other people who support you and validate you. And it's, it's a, I guess it's our life work. But it can be hard mm -hmm. to break those, um, the expectations of other people and of ourselves about who we have to be to get along in the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a serious work. Yeah. I'm at an interesting um, place in my life where I've been retired for a few years and I've become really active as a volunteer in an organization where as I've become more valuable to them, they put me in positions of authority. And so now I'm finding that I'm doing a lot of work and I'm taking on responsibility that, that um, I need to look at instead of just taking it all on because of my experience in life, I feel like I owe it to myself to look at these things and figure out how to make it work for me. Whereas in the past, I would have just taken it all on yeah. and tried to do it just like the person before me. But now I'm feeling, I, I mean, to use the term great voice, I feel like I've learned a lot in my life. This is an opportunity for me to, to make this work for me and not just try to make it be what all the other people are expecting of me. Brave boundaries. <laughs> you know, I've mentioned belonging, but what do you see as true belonging meaning for you? For me, it's if someone gets me. What's an example of a moment in your life when you found or used your brave voice? I think that the times that we're in, and especially these last few years, that it's become important for people to, um, to become more firm in their own beliefs and for myself um i've looked at a lot of my i have i have a lot of friends and i'm a very social person but i've pulled back and i'm more selective about where i want to spend and invest my time and i'm uh i mean use your great voice i was in a, in a text chain with a group of friends from high school that i've been with for a long time and they started talking about something offensive to me and I said, I love you all, but please take me off this text chain. And it was, I agonized over doing that for weeks before I finally said, this is enough. I, I need to move on from this conversation. In these times of upheaval, when there's things happening that are important to the future and important to our world and to our loved ones that we're called to be more outspoken and use our brave voice. I've had a couple of instances similar to that in the last 
year or two as well. I have not always stood up for myself and for the things I truly, and I see myself doing that a lot. And I think brave boundaries is my takeaway from this conversation. Mm -hmm. It's not so much brave voice. I have a brave voice. It's the brave boundaries. Right. I, I have to actually find my brave. The most joyous places with my grandchildren that I get to say to them, who are you? You know, tell me who you are and let them know who I am. Well, that's a beautiful place to end. You've got to take yourself home to the sound of your own heartbeat singing hey singing hey finally i share this interview of deborah altis educator, scholar, and writer from Brave Voice in May to talk about, among other things, the bravery of being in silence together with community. Thank you so much to Deborah and everyone else featured in this podcast for your bravest voices and your truest stories. What does it mean to have a brave voice? That's an interesting question. I think it probably means different things for different people. I think for me, it means tapping into inner confidence. To Brave Voice helps me remember how to tap into that inner confidence and um, feel more secure in myself and my gifts and sort of how to express myself in a way that it connects well with people and listening deeply without trying to figure out what you're going to say next. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have to, you have to pay attention to, to what the other person is telling you without forming your response while they're talking, which I think is such a common thing to do while people are talking. We're often like, um, you know, mm -hmm. a page or two ahead in mm -hmm. <laughs> in exactly. already figuring out exactly what we're going to say and how we're going to say it. <laughs> and it, it's slowing that down, that, that, that voice, that tendency down so that you're in that moment with the person. Yeah. And that's such a vulnerable place to be. Cause I know when I try not to think ahead, I just feel even more at risk. Well, then will I know what to say or I'll you know, how will I then get to my words? Yeah, and, and surprisingly, when you do something, you're, you're much better able to respond authentically. Mm -hmm. And it, it is kind of scary at first because you do think, oh my gosh, if I don't plan, I'm, I'm going to say something stupid or I'm not going to be able to say anything. Mm -hmm. And the latter can be okay. I mean, I. I am very comfortable with silence being, you know, going, having gone to an unprivileged friends meeting for years and, um, but a lot of people aren't. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that we could be a lot better at in our, our culture is being comfortable with silence. And when a person talks, you don't always have to just jump in. This also makes me think of something we were talking about earlier which was the difference between fitting in and belonging when it comes to our brave voice. And sometimes 
when you're just sitting in silence and it's an agreed upon thing, there is a sense of belonging. Absolutely. I think some of my most profound feelings of belonging is sitting in silence with a group of people. A brave voice can also be a quiet voice. That you're, it can be a brave presence, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, a brave presence. I love that. What's a moment that you felt like you embodied your brave voice? Well, I think that I tend to be have a brave voice when I'm authentic. Mm -hmm. And in my teaching, I've discovered that I can be most authentically me when I teach a course on death and dying. When I teach my death and dying course, I feel like I'm really authentically me. And so that's a place where I've had the opportunity to really, I think, express my brave voice because death and dying is just such a profoundly authentic topic. You can't, you can't be somebody else when you're talking mm -hmm. about it you just can't and I make my students do these things that are totally out of their comfort zone they they have to go to a funeral home they have to go to a cemetery and almost all of them have not done those things so walking into a funeral home freaks them out walking on the land of a cemetery freaks them out and but after they've done it they always come back to me and they say, I'm so glad I did that. Mm. I've had students come back to me years later and say, thank you so much for, um, for making me do that. Because then when my mother died, I knew what to do. I knew how to be there. I knew how to have my brave voice with my family members. So it's, yeah, so I think by modeling that brave voice, I, you help other people find theirs. That's a beautiful, beautiful example. And to talk about something that's largely taboo in our culture, such as death and dying, you're breaking a silence. You're, and yet you're talking about something so core to what it is to be human. Thank you so much for listening to Tell Me Your Truest Story. Please subscribe to my podcast at karenmiriamgoldberg.podbean.com or visit my website for the link to find out more about workshops, writings, happenings, and my latest blog post at karenmiriamgoldberg.com. That's C-A-R-Y-N-M-I-R-R-I-A-M. G-O-L-D-B-E-R-G. You can also find Tell Me Your Truest Story on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special thanks to Kelly Hunt for the use of her music from our co-written song, The Road is Just a River. And please catch up with more of Kelly's music at kellyhunt.com. That's Kelly with two E's, K-E-L-L-E-Y. Thank you to Diana Burrup for our logo. May you find greater truth and joy, peace and wonder in your own truest stories.